Hey, welcome to the Agency Blueprint, the podcast for agency owners looking to explore strategies for scaling a truly profitable agency, reducing stress, and getting your personal life back. I'm your host, Robert Patton, business coach and contract CFO to agencies. To download a free copy of my international best-selling book, The Agency Blueprint, go to creativeagencysuccess.com. Today we have Sharon Torek. She's the principal at Torek Law. She focuses her national law practice on helping professionals in the advertising, marketing, and creative service industries. Sharon provides proactive, strategic counsel to communications, marketing, advertising, and creative agencies on legal and business issues they face continually in their work, including agency-client relationships, agency service contracts, agency freelancer relationship management, trademark and brand protection matters, social media and content marketing legal compliance, copyright protection, and licensing and transfer of creative content. She's also the host of the podcast, The Innovative Agency. Highly recommend you check it out. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sharon. Thanks for having me, Robert. I'm excited to, to talk with you today. Awesome. Looking forward to providing lots of value to agency owners. Thank you. So in the modern world, agencies must be sure to protect their interest and limited risks. Uh, what would you say are the common legal mistakes that you see agencies make? You know, I think they fall into two significant buckets and probably um, the one I'll highlight will be the second one. The first is just probably not being as protective around intellectual property um, as they could be. And the second is really, um, I think, missteps made during the new business negotiation process. And it isn't necessarily that they're making mistakes. It's it's that there's, I see a lot of opportunity for agencies to put themselves in a better position um, during the whole business development, business prospecting, contract negotiation process. And so I would say that, and, and those, that's when you have the most leverage in a potential relationship with the client. So I think taking a few steps differently at that stage of the relationship really sets the agency up for more financial and relationship success down the line. So I would put them in those two major buckets. There's lots of legal um, uh, issues that are specific to marketing agencies and marketers in general, but those those are the ones that sort of rise to the top. Yeah, I mean, I see this all the time. You, agencies will get very excited about signing a new larger client and expect that their, their boilerplate contract that they're getting from the client is what they have to execute and they don't have any negotiation possibility um, right. What are co- a couple of different areas of those contracts that you would highlight as some areas that the agencies may have some negotiation leverage and want yeah. to consider looking at? Well, I would say let's start with the lowest hanging fruit that agencies are always worried about, and that's payment terms. Um, <laughs> and I think you and I both know from having looked at probably a ton of MSAs, particularly ones that the client creates. And particularly if you're if you're looking to work with an enterprise size client or a government agency or something like that, they're gonna obviously want payment terms that are as long and drawn out as possible. And so that's somewhat to be expected as an agency. And you'll want to work on um, getting that down as close to what your normal terms are as possible. So I recommend to agencies your standard default be no more than 30 days out from when you send the invoice. You're going to see something more like 6090 and and a client MSA and maybe even 120. So most agencies know to anticipate this, but what they may not 
think about is the way that the payment and due terms are drafted. Um, specifically, most age, uh, client created MSAs don't start the clock running for when the bill has to be paid until the invoice is completely undisputed. And so what that means is that if there are charges that a client disagrees with or has questions about or needs clarity on, whatever the case may be, you're not starting the clock until those things are resolved, which can, which can push you out just for months and months and months. So, you know, you want to be on the lookout for, first of all, getting to a fundamentally fair place on terms in general. Um, and I really wouldn't settle um, at a place longer than 45 to 60 days, because frankly, most closely held agencies just can't survive. Their cash flow doesn't allow it. You know that better than I do. Um, it's just Definitely. impractical. Right? I mean, cash flow, especially in the coming out of the 2020 year, right, has been at the, the forefront of most agencies' mind right now, right? Um, so definitely something that you need to consider. I absolutely uh, agree with Sharon on this, um, making sure that even going into it, making sure that the project specifically, that you're able to cash flow that specific project, making sure that any external cost, um, if they're going to be due up front and that you have the same thing happening with your vendors and your freelancers that you're negotiating payment terms so that you get funds from your client before you have to have external outside costs as well. So considering everything going into it is extremely key to make sure that the project can be successful. So I agree 100 percent. Yeah. And then you make a good point as well that you really should think about segregating in the agreement your payment terms for fees versus your advance cost advance policies for third party expenses, because while those media buys, those third party production costs, those can really add up. And if you're advancing that money um, and you don't have it in hand yet from the client, that can really jam you up as well as an agency. So, you know, the payment terms, typically we think payment terms and the agency owners thinking, okay, you know, I can maybe live with 60 days, but I don't wanna go any further out than that. But there are all these sub issues that come up at the MSA um, related to payment that you need to consider. I would say another issue is that um, at the end of the day, the parties all usually intend that the client's gonna end up owning the IP rights um, and the work that's created. That may or may not be true, first of all, because as an agency, you may have some proprietary work that um, ends up getting incorporated into the final work product that is yours as an agency that you use to replicate work for multiple clients. So you wanna carve that out. You may present concepts that the client doesn't accept or outright rejects, and you wanna retain the rights to that work whenever possible. And then even if you are, if it is everybody's intention that the custom created work is gonna be owned by the client outright, all the IP rights, you don't want to transfer those rights until you're getting paid, um, right? Um, most client-produced MSAs will have that work for higher language kick in right on creation of the work. So you want to watch for that because uh, it's your only leverage or it's one of your few leverage points to getting paid is as withholding the rights to use the work um, until you get paid. So that's another area to think about. Um, liability is obviously an increasing issue for agencies in the new business development phase because clients will have increasingly larger expectations in terms of the liability the agency is going to take on. Um, and in areas like uh, privacy compliance, influencer marketing compliance, 
um, ADA compliance, if you are in the website development business, those are things you want to really um, think hard about because really the client's in a better position to take on the liability for those situations. And so you want to build language into your agreement that requires legal review, legal approval um, by the client before the work gets released publicly or executed and, and the, making sure that the indemnification and liability language sort of parallels that. So along with that is the insurance question. What coverages do you need? What policy limits do you really need versus the ones that are in the template that you see the client provide to you? Do you need really need $10 million in errors and omissions coverage? Um, can you even afford it? Um, I've worked with plenty of agencies who sign a big deal with an enterprise, for example, and they don't even have you know yet at the time they do it. So it's a scramble to get it in place. So it can sometimes take months as well. I was just going to mention the insurance piece, right? Yeah. It is so incredibly important, but it's not only the agency's insurance, but also making sure that the client has adequate insurance for the actions right. that they're taking. And should the agency be named in the external um, litigation as well, making sure that there's adequate insurance on both sides and that the agency is also being named um, on the insurance policy of the client. In enterprise situations, it's a little bit more difficult to get that, but also is equally important. Right. You know, and then I would say just overall along this theme of maybe mistakes that tend to be thematic or are get, get replicated is just the assumption overall that if you're in a negotiation with a potential new client, they have to just you have to just accept their version of the agreement without any pushback. I and I see this with you know smaller independent agencies. A lot of them just assume, look, this is a big opportunity for us. We don't want to appear to be um, challenging to do business with. We don't want to put any friction in the process. And we're going to have to sign their contract anyway. So we're not going to spend a lot of time. On, and it's my experience that that's absolutely not the case, that you have way more leverage um, than you think you do at the beginning of that relationship. And that's when you need to use it to get the fairest deal possible. Even if you're gonna concede on some things, mm -hmm. um, make it purposeful as a decision rather than just um, default or a knee jerk reaction. Um, and it can be intimidating, right? Is if you're working with a really large client, uh, you might be talking to procurement. You might be talking to procurement and legal. Um, and, and you might be talking to them both and they're not talking to each other. And none of them may be talking to your actual marketing counterpart at the client. Um, sometimes you have to force the issue by getting them all on the same call at the same time so that everybody can decide what's really important and what doesn't need to be in the agreement. And I'm sure we both had that experience as we've we we definitely both have had that experience. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Something that, that does come up often for me with clients um, is when we are talking about the intellectual property component is the work that I do with XYZ client being that they do own the intellectual property rights to it. What rights does the agency have to include that work in the capabilities deck on public websites and other uh, public promotional materials? What would you say is best practice that agencies should follow when it comes to uh, client work? Yeah, this one is fresh for me right now. We are actually helping an agency or two through this very issue um, and helping them to do some more team training on their staffs just so that they understand. So I would say, first of all, it comes publicity rights are really a subset of intellectual property rights. And so 
you want to make sure that even if the client is going to own the work product at the end of the day, that there's um, something in the agreement that addresses your ability to display it for promotional purposes. And so what that usually looks like is one of three things. Um, if you are in the driver's seat in terms of drafting the MSA or terms and conditions as an agency, put those publicity rights in your agreement. Have that be your default, that we are reserving the right to display or use portions, publicly released portions of the work that we've done for you for promotional purposes. And that's things like case study development, display on the website, um, entering awards competitions, things like that. If you are negotiating from the client's version of the agreement, um, their agreement's default is likely going to be one of two things. You can't use it at all for promotional purposes. And sometimes not only can't you use it, but you can't even mention that we've got an agreement in place. So that prevents you from using their names or their logos, you know, on your wall of fame. Mm -hmm. um, or you have to ask us every time you want to use it, which is kind of the middle ground because at least you're getting, at least you're opening the door to being able to use things in the future, but it puts you in the position of having to reach out every time you want to do it. So it's not optimal, but it's better than thou shalt not um, for agencies. So I really, you need to take a proactive stance about, first of all, looking for these provisions in the contracts, making sure there's some language in there about them um, and negotiating the best possible position for the agency in terms of the ability to use that stuff to show your capabilities for the next deal that you're gonna to wanna to make. Cause this is how agencies do it, right? They show their talent based upon uh, the results they've been able to achieve for prior clients. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's how you build authority in the space. That's how you're able to project that value. That's how you're able to increase your fees. That's able, how you're able to earn higher average hourly earnings on, a, on every client that you work with. I think that's so incredibly important. Um, I, I talk about the, the need to seek legal counsel quite extensively in my book. I think that I, I do even have an entire chapter about risk and seeking legal counsel. Yeah. in the agency blueprint. I think it's so incredibly important. I'm a huge advocate for seeking legal counsel. Talk about um, how I've had so many horror stories with clients where they they opted not to when going into agreement and then ended up spending obscene amount of money going through litigation because they failed to seek the counsel that they needed to in advance. So it's incredibly important. And I hate to see that result because it's, it is just so wasteful of the agency's resources. Um, and, and it doesn't need to be, um, I think with a proactive approach, um, you save so much energy, time and money, um, by putting, investing a little bit into that process upfront. Well, one of the things that I do like to recommend to clients and obviously they, everything should be reviewed by counsel, but even starting when you're, when you're starting from a contract that is coming from the client side to have a checklist of the things that you want to make sure are included so it's not being forgotten, especially if you're in a position of being rushed and maybe not having the chance to go to legal. Um, is that something that you would recommend to clients to have as a way of just having a legal compliance internally? Or what, what would be your suggestion there? Absolutely. I think that's a fabulous idea. We even have a downloadable um, agency client contract review checklist that you can get off of the website. And it's there's one side devoted to what should be in your MSA and the flip side is devoted to what to look for in the client's version of one. But I think a checklist is an awesome thing because 
it standardizes your process um, to some degree. If you could add to that a centralization of the process so that you don't have one account team doing one contract and another team doing another one and they don't look anything like each other at the end of the day. So whatever you can do to centralize and a, a tool like a checklist is just invaluable because it, it, it helps them make sure they're not missing anything in the hurry to get um, the deal done. And it's so funny that you, you mentioned that because I was just having a conversation with someone else in the agency space and <laughs> and I've gotten this question a lot of times over the years, how long should the agreement be? And my answer is it should be as long as it needs to be to get the protection that you need to have in it. Um, a lot of agencies, again, they don't, they like to take as much friction they think out of the process and what can you do in two pages, you know, and it's the wrong way to approach it. It's what do I need? To, what are the issues I need to think about? Uh, what are the risks I'm taking on to do this deal? What's my tolerance for those risks? And then create the document that reflects all of that. I 100% agree that the, one of the pieces that really resonated with me was that they're trying to take as much friction out of the process as possible. Mm -hmm. And that that is absolutely how I see so many agencies positioning themselves and even taking on work that they shouldn't be doing or don't want to do because right. they're trying to be everything to the client. And I, I mean, if the these the listeners of this podcast have heard me talk about it so many times on you should be setting the standard with your clients. And that tells me that when you've got agencies that are taking that position and feel that way, it's because they're not coming from a position of of authority. They're not coming from a position of, of a surety. They're not sure about themselves. And it's so incredibly important to know that you're good at what you do and that you that it's an honor for that client to work with you as well. And it's right. not it's not one sided. Absolutely. I love, you know, you said that so well, that was a really eloquent way to put it. I think that agencies that are born from the ground up led by sales focused CEOs, there's a natural bent towards wanting to get that deal done um, and move on to the next opportunity. For shops that are born um, helmed by a creative person, there's just a complete distaste for the business affairs side <laughs> of the business in general. It's just, and you can't fault them because it's not what they, that's not what they created an agency to do, right? They're yeah. about creating great work, uh, good results for the client, um, art, beauty. Um, they could be very focused on the financial performance of the agency conceptually, but they don't really love the details. And salespeople are always just in a hurry to make the next deal. So it kind of depends on how you, you know, what your background was as an agency leader, um, how much value or tolerance you have or you see in um, taking time to put some proactive legal process in place. Um, and I would just add to what you said by saying, if you don't like friction now, you're going to like it even less if something goes sideways that could have been addressed or prevented by taking a little bit more time up front in the agreement. I agree wholeheartedly <laughs> on that. <laughs> right? <laughs> yep, absolutely. It's been so great having you on, on the podcast, Sharon. Um, I know that before we started recording, you mentioned that you had a special offer to Agency Blueprint listeners. So it sounded really cool. Can you tell me a little bit more about the offer that you've got? 
Yeah, thank you, Robert. We are, I'm really excited about this. We, we have long done um, full service deep dive done for you agency illegal audits where we look in all the corners and um, you know, at all the aspects of your agency and we make a blueprint together with you about addressing them. But what we've done is to create sort of a snapshot version of that, um, which is our done with you agency legal checkup. And it's, I'm excited about it because it gives the agency leaders an opportunity to do a lot of the pre-work independently. We send you a tool to do that with. And then you actually will have a one-on-one -on -one meeting um, with a firm attorney to go through sort of this inventory and do a, a checkup of your health legally. Um, and we've been able to put something together at an investment point that's accessible for any agency. It's well under $1,000. It won't always be, but it is right now. And um, we're really excited about it. And, and feel free to reach out to me directly about that and I'll send you all the details. Um, and Robert, I'll make sure that you have all the information too about how to access that. Um, and I'm, I think it's gonna be a great opportunity to help get agency leaders thinking about this and um, for us to um, just give them a quick tour of the legal operations of their agency and the gap between where they are and where they could be. I think that's great. Having that, that, that um, compliance checkup is so incredibly important. I mean, we go to doctors on a regular basis just to make sure we're in good health. Having that legal checkup is so incredibly important. I know in my experience working with you on mutual clients that you provide stellar advice. So I highly recommend you contact Sharon to go through that checkup. It, she will definitely help you making sure that you are in great legal health. Thank, Thank that you. means a lot to me. Thank you, Robert. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me today. Of course. Thank you so much for, have, uh, for joining us today as well. To get in touch with Sharon uh, to get some stellar legal advice, go to legalandcreative.com. And I'll include her contact information in the show notes as well. Thank you for joining us today on the Agency Blueprint Podcast. To find out more, go to agencyblueprintpodcast.com. For links mentioned in this episode, please check out the show notes. As always, go to creativeagencysuccess.com to jumpstart your agency today.